0: Um, that as a prelude to it, I'm going to make a confession to you just real quickly. And that is, you know, with the changing culture that we have in America today, that it's, its effect is not just, you know, in media, it's not just in uh, marketing schemes of businesses and, you know, uh, you know, from, from from large, you know, uh, like Walmart, all the way down to just small little mom and pop shops. The, the the changes and the culture and the look and the things that are the shifting, you know, and, and the marketing strategies that you have to have, and you know that that has affected the church a lot too. Sure. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a very much a business side of the church. Yeah. Some of you don't know that, but if you've ever been on this side yeah. of the podium, there's there's very much a business side to it as well, and sometimes it's very intimidating. It is. It, sometimes it, it pushes you into a corner to which you, um, you find yourself kind of estranged from the simplicity of the gospel. And, and, I, and I, I'm just not going to let myself get there. I'm not going to allow the pressure. Sometimes I find I'm a little bit intimidated to be able to keep up with, especially some of the very creative uh, what I see or what I might notice, creative mega churches or even mid-sized to slightly larger near mega church, and you see the abilities uh, that they have, their little creative teams, and you know they, they every little series has, has very uh, little cliches and things of that nature. And I tell you what, I just I wear khakis six days a week, people. <laughs> I just don't have that type of creativity. I don't I don't know how to do those things. I just don't. So. It's kind of like this moment for me when I see a packed auditorium like this here today. I could be greatly intimidated if I weren't if it wasn't for this right here. David was about to face Goliath. He had surrendered to it. He had accepted this burden. And they put the king's armor on him and he started walking, you know, dragging the king's heavy mail, you know, that 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 heavy metallic chest plate and you know, that's that cloth-like material and then that helmet. And he's rattling his way out of the tent of the king with a sword that he'd never proven right. and with a shield he had never lifted. Right. And he got about just almost to the door and something quickened inside him. And he said, I, I cannot do this. I, I haven't proven these things. And he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a little piece of leather and he said... But I've proven this. And so there's a lot of things I don't know how to do. But there's a couple things I do know. And so today I'm going to get right into the vein of of what I do know and how I know to relate it to you, okay? And so we're going to read four verses of 1 Corinthians 15. It's been read in this pulpit more than once. And let me say this again. It will be read again. It will. I want you to read it with me. It says in the first verse of the 15th chapter, it's a quick transition from writing about spiritual gifts in the 12th and the 14th chapters, which we know the the New Testament was not written originally by the pen of the author with chapters and verse divisions. But it is for our sake. So we see a transition here. Moreover, helps the transition, helps our understanding. You can see there's a shift Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. Paul said this is the thing he's going back to. He's going back to the simplicity of how he began the letter. He began the letter uh, somewhere along what we would define as the second chapter, saying, when I was among you, I determined not to know anything except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the gospel. So he says, moreover then... This gospel which I have preached unto you. I thank God for preaching. Yes. I'll tell you, I do. And I pray that God awakens preachers in this. If this is the final generation, God, I- I'm going to say this very first. We need the gift of preaching to resurface one more time. We do. We do. We, I believe in teaching. We've got great teachers and all that. But I'm telling you, we have media ministries. that We have video. we have all, We have plays. We have... But I'm telling you, God, the, 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 the most vivid expression, the most real image of the crucifixion and the resurrection that you can ever have painted in your mind is when you hear a preacher right. who's anointed of the Holy Spirit, Amen. who God took his tongue and made it the pen of a ready rider. My God, I feel it right there. And made your heart like parchment. Right. And all of a sudden... Things that happened 2,000 years ago become as vivid as if you were standing right there. That's a gift that God has. And Paul said, I brought this to you and I gave it. So he said, I've got the gift. You had to receive it, right? And he said, and you received it. And when you received it now, you need to stand in it, right? It, it, it lifts you. It causes you. It was stand could be standing in righteousness, standing in justification, standing in the effects of having received the gospel. Not just loosely holding it like a message that you heard but you didn't apply. But no, you stood in what you received. He said, by which, as you received it, you are saved. Come on, born again. Right? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Delivered from the indebtedness of sin. Romans 6, sin no longer has dominion over you. Right? You're no longer a servant to sin. Right? Because of the power of of that salvation experience. He said, but now notice this King James English today. If you keep in memory, you need to remind yourself of this simplicity or this simplistic gospel. He said, keep this in memory. Keep what? What I preached unto you. Don't forget the things that I've shared with you. And we're gonna kind of dialogue what Paul shared here in a moment. What I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. The New King James Version in that verse of Scripture said, uh, hold fast what I preach to you. Hold it fast. How do you hold something that's not necessarily tangible in that, in that manner? Well, you have to remind yourself of it. You have to put yourself in memory of it, kind of purposely rem- purposely remember these things. Does that make sense? That's what Paul is saying. He said, I, unless you have believed in vain, and I'm going to trust that you have not. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received. Paul said, this is how I received it. This is what I received. This was the revelation that God gave to me. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Now, catch that phrase. Acor- now, I know it's easy for us to see That Christ died for our sins. Absolutely. How would we know this? Where do we get this information? According to what? The scriptures. Let's go a little further. Fourth verse. How that he was buried. How many believe in his burial? Right? The stone was rolled in front of the the opening to Joseph of Arimathea's tomb that he had lent to Christ. How many know he didn't necessarily give it to him? He thought he was giving it to him, but Jesus gave it back. Come on, somebody. Amen. He gave it back. And so he was buried. But then on the third day, he rose again. According to what? According to the scriptures. So what I'm going to give you today, this is all I know. It's according to the scriptures. It's according to the scriptures. Let's pray. Father, God, it's already been prayed in this house that preaching would come easy today. And I pray that it will. But I also pray that there will be receptive hearts and minds. That, God, there will be an anointing that's present not only in my life, but also in the listening ear that's present today. And especially those that are truly born again, that are filled with the Holy Spirit, that their anointing would lift me as I preach, lift the Word that I share. That, God, that there will be a, uh, an accumulative anointing that's present here today to allow the church to be edified, Father, uh, an unregenerate heart to be made regenerate, and for you, Father, to be glorified. That's our prayer. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. Amen. You can be seated. I'm not going to attempt to convince you of something today, but I want to just take a moment of time to put you in, to ask you to consider something with me for just a moment. For those who have come to church on Easter Sunday, and I thought JoJo did an excellent job of drawing attention to the diverse the diversity of people that are gathered here the reality is you're either genuinely born again now whether or not you're going through a trial or not that's separate to what i'm talking about but you're either genuinely born again and you're here to celebrate the resurrection of jesus or you're not born again gathered with friends and family they have invited you to church you know about God. You even know about Jesus. But he's not the Lord of your life. There's the distinguishing point between believer and unbeliever. Believer, unbeliever does not necessarily mean agnostic. just simply means you have not made Christ the Lord of your life. Submitted to him. And those that profess faith in Christ oftentimes do not have a basis for their belief. One of my strongest convictions is to to help disciple people even from the pulpit Dr. Brassfield shared with me years ago and said Pastor Brown if you're consistent enough and you run the race at the right pace you can effectively disciple people from the pulpit you can I can challenge you by the word of God I can bring doctrinal truths strong meat can come to the pulpit I don't have to just water it down to invite you in. I don't have to just take you into the shallow end of the pool. Come on, somebody. There's a deeper place in God. There's deeper revelation, and you can go there. Now, listen, I believe that you and I that are born again, we have the testimony of Christ in us, and there is, again... There's a profession of faith in Christ that we possess that we have a a basis for our belief that has changed our life. And just real quickly, I want you to know it's not because we had an eyewitness account of Jesus. I I have never had him appear to me. I believe in post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. But I have never had him appear now you may be here today and you may be thinking man if he would I, if he would just believe if he would just appear to me i would know that he's the resurrected lord well i just want i want to contend with that thought for just a moment because seeing is not always believing well, let's go just into this for a moment of time you say now pastor there are those that saw." yes there were many that saw jesus's resurrection they were they were there uh saw him following his resurrection but, but, but look at this real quickly. I'm just going to glean a couple passages. When Jesus was risen the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, whom he had cast out seven devils. And she went and she told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had seen of her, they believed not. So this was the testimony, first of all, of an eyewitness. And a first-person account fresh from the tomb. And yet they didn't believe. Luke chapter twenty four says this, and their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. The two that walked down the Emmaus road, you may remember, when that man came up behind them, that their eyes he was behold he was withholding from them; they did not know or recognize who he was. And it was actually Jesus journeying with them. And the Bible says that their hearts were warmed, uh, burned within them as, they, as he opened to them the scriptures. When they went back to their uh, own group of believers, they, or excuse me, their own group, which was the disciples, they told it to the residue, the scripture says, and they didn't believe them either. And so, again, you may even remember the testimony of Thomas. The, Jesus has appeared one time to the disciples in Galilee, but Thomas is not there. And so, when Thomas finally shows up, they said, he was here. He was here. He's alive, just like the women have said, and Thomas said, unless, unless I put forth my hand into his side, unless I touch his hand where the nail pierced it, then I will not believe. So, I'm not suggesting today that uh, the testimonies of others is not a basis for our belief, but I want you to know it is a part of our belief. But there's something else that should drive your belief system. And I'm going to show you in just a few moments. You say, well, pastor, now that's the testimony of others. That had, uh, had a post-resurrection appearance with Christ. But what about, you know, if I were to just see myself? You know, then I, I wouldn't. I would, if I could just see him myself, then I would believe. Well, let me take you... Let's just contend with that thought for just a moment. Just, just for a brief moment. Matthew 28 says this. The 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. So, here he is standing there in front of them. They had saw him die on the cross. And they knew he had been buried. And now he's alive. And then the Bible says, and yet... Some still doubt. Luke chapter number 24. When Jesus appeared to them once again in Galilee, they thought he was a spirit. They thought he was a spirit. And this is the passage where he said, Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bone as you see that I have. And then that same passage says this, And while they believed not for joy and wondered. While they believed not for joy and wondered. So he's standing there eating a long John Silver's two-piece meal. Come on, somebody. And they are still questioning, is that really the one I saw die on the cross? So you say, Pastor, you know, if I could just see him, or if I, had, if I was just there when Mary came from the tomb, I would have believed, or if I could just see him. Listen, seeing is not always believing. There's got to be something else. You say, Pastor Brown, why did not Jesus... Why didn't he just walk down the streets of Jerusalem where he had died after his resurrection? Why didn't he just walk down and say, look, look, look at me. I, you put me on the cross and, and, you, and you killed me. But you know what? I got up. And I overcame the grave. Why didn't he? He only appeared to just chosen vessels. 500 people saw him at one time. All the apostles, all the women that were with him, they saw him after his resurrection. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, like a man born out of time, he said, I had a first-hand account of, or I saw him after his resurrection. But why didn't he just go down through the streets? It's because salvation is dependent upon, not sight. It's dependent upon faith. And faith comes by hearing, not by seeing. And faith Grows as you hear what? The word of Almighty God. And so I submit to you today the basis for our belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is supplemented by eyewitness reports, right? Or by actual physical appearances. But the foundation, of our belief, of why we believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and is resurrected, and should be celebrated all around the world is because of the testimony of the Scriptures. And you say, Pastor, what do you mean by the Scriptures? Let me clarify what that means. The word Scripture in the original language simply means holy writ. The Scripture to most of us today is digital technology. But the Scriptures are actually holy writ. The first holy writ by God was when he took his finger and he scribed on hardened tablets of stone the Ten Commandments. And from there, while in the presence of God on Mount Sinai, Moses also received inspiration to begin to write down the things that he saw and heard in the presence of God, Thus beginning, thus beginning the first gathering of the Logos, the Word of Almighty God. And so today, again, for a moment of time, Paul is writing here and he's saying, I want to remind you to keep this in memory that the gospel that I preached that led to your conversion was that I preached that Christ died for our sins and was buried and was raised again. I preached this not because of the testimony of Peter. Paul wasn't saying that, that he died and was buried and resurrected according to the testimony of Peter or James or John. Paul said, I contended that the faith that I delivered to you was that he died, was buried, and is resurrected according to the Scriptures. Now, the testimony of those apostles later became Scripture. But at that time, it was simply their testimony, but Paul said, the gospel that I gave to you that validated my faith and that what brought you into this experience was that I showed you that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised again because the scriptures had told that he would. Over a period of approximately 4,000 years of human history, God, through his breath, breathed and moved upon men that began with, first with Moses and from there forward to write down the hope that would one day be revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Oh, I feel this thing about to break loose in here for just a moment. Now, let's go just a little bit farther. Now, Paul, again, again, as he takes us into this passage here, he's exhorting us, he's exhorting us that this truth, this truth, Is what will set your heart free. When you know Jesus. When you know Jesus. According to the truth of the scriptures. Let me tell you for just a moment. Let me show you this real quickly. In Acts chapter 17. Paul is at Thessalonica. And listen to this. Paul went to a a synagogue. And while there he reasoned with them. Not out of his own testimony. Not even out of the testimony. Of Peter James and John. But he reasoned with them out of the scriptures that Jesus was who he said he was. Let me read it to you a little bit farther. Acts chapter 26. He's now standing before King Agrippa, the great grandson of King Herod. And he's ministering to him and preaching in front of him. And he said this. He said, I continue. This was Paul's testimony. I continue unto you this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say so here's what he's saying, everything that I've preached, everything that I've shared about this man Christ Jesus, I'm not the first to have said it, and what he was actually saying neither was Peter, neither was James, neither was John, neither was even Thomas who had the testimony that he reached his hand out into his side, not even their testimony, but that which was written by the prophets, that which was written by Moses that which was written by David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, it's their testimony, it was the breath of God upon their lives that had been captured on parchment, and we believe it, and we know it to be true because only one man could fulfill all the prophecies the hundreds of prophecies that have been spoken for generation after generation after generation by a diverse number of writers in different places around the Middle East that had the breath of God upon them only one man could fulfill exactly to the minute details that he was the Christ And that was Jesus. And Paul made that the basis of the faith that he passed on to them. We are living today in a time when we don't know the scriptures. And in not knowing the scriptures, we don't have the strength of the basis for our faith that will cause us to lift up our shoulders. And say, you know what? Man, I believe in Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection. Not because Shane sung a song about it on Easter Sunday morning or Jojo testified. No, I believe because uh, I've studied the word of God. And there's only one man that could have satisfied all of those prophecies, including those types and shadows, and it had to be Jesus. And man, when I got that in my heart, my heart did warm to the goodness of God. Let me go a little bit farther today. As I begin to just open this up, let me just tell you, this is the things that I know. I don't know about cliches. I don't know how about little cool applications, uh, uh, you know, of the, I'll just know the truth of the Word of God, just the truth of Scripture. And when you get that in your heart, let me tell you about the, and knowing that Jesus, when you talk about the Scriptures to the Old Testament Jew, it simply meant that the Word of God was threefold. It meant that it was the law of Moses. It meant that it was the writings of the prophets. And it also meant that it was the Psalms, not just the psalms but other writings and and as we even follow Jesus' own ministry following the his resurrection when his disciples did not believe even though he was standing right in front of them luke 24 says this that he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and when they understood the scriptures then that's when they believed in jesus Not when they touched him, not when they saw him, not when they, no, when he opened their understanding to the scriptures, that's when they had the revelation that this is the man right here. And so today, as you study the scriptures, you'll find his testimony. That's why Jesus was unashamed of the testimony of scripture. He told those that were the most studious people in his generation, John 5 and 39, read it on your own later. He said, search the scriptures, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have life. But he said, but they are they that testify of me. And in testifying of me, they they create for us the greatest portrait that God could have ever given us of his redemptive plan. Let me take you into some of these for just a moment why I believe in Jesus today. I believe in Jesus today because of types and shadows. You say, Pastor, what's a type and shadow? That means that when you read the Old Covenant, when you read the Old Testament, you're reading the law, the prophets, and the writings, that in stories or in analogies or in artifacts or in inanimate objects, God has given that, captured it, on parchment because there's a revelation of his divine plan associated with it. It's a type, shadow. It was written hundreds of years before Christ would come but it would reveal his work. It would create an anticipation. Let me just highlight just a couple of those today. When Abraham made the journey up the mountains of Moriah I know many of you know that story with his young son Isaac at his side. As they're journeying up The mountains of Moriah. Isaac asked the question. And he said father. He said father. He said we have here the wood. He was carrying the wood. And he said father. He said here we have the fire. To light the wood. He said but father where is the sacrifice. And Abraham. Under the anointing and the inspiration of God. Perhaps unbeknownst to him. said these words. My son. My God himself. Shall provide For himself, a lamb. And I want you to know, Abraham said to his servants, in an anti-type or a type of Christ, excuse me, a type of Christ, Abraham said, before he started that journey, he said, we're going to go on this journey together, the lad and I, and we're going to come back again. Because he had already determined in his heart That if he had to take his knife and slay his son on the altar that he would build on the mountains of Moriah, the God who gave life was the God that could raise him from the dead. And here's what he told him. He said, it'll be a three-day journey. It'll be I'll be gone three days, but when I come back, I've got him right here with me on my side. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's a shadow. And you can go all the way through the scriptures. What about a Passover lamb? When Moses said, tonight is the night that the death angel is going to pass through the land. And when he passes through the land, he said he's going to kill the firstborn of every family from the the poor man to the Pharaoh's palace. He's not going to just be in Egypt. He's going to be in the land of Goshen. Even the Jews he's going to pass through. He said, but what I want you to do, take a lamb of the first year, pure and without blemish and slaughter that lamb and take its blood and apply it to the doorpost and the lintel of your house and so that when the death angel passes, when he comes to your house and he's got the sith of judgment in his hand and he's ready to take the life of your firstborn, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, the angel will pass right over your house. I I want you to know that was a type of Jesus' death On the cross and amazingly he died on Passover. And so when Paul said I'm contending with you. He said I'm not here to tell you the testimony of Peter. He said I want to go back to the testimony of Moses. Are y'all catching what I'm saying. Time would fail me to tell you about two birds that were killed for the cleansing of the leper. How is that Jesus. They killed well listen it it was two birds excuse me they killed one. And they set the other one free. One was a type of his death, and the other one was a type of his resurrection. Melchizedek was a type of Christ. The scapegoat was a type of Christ. Aaron's rod that budded was a type of Christ. A manna from heaven was a type of Christ. What about the smitten rock in the wilderness? Moses took the rod, smote the rock. When he did, life-giving waters flowed out. Paul looked back on that moment and said, that rock that followed them in the wilderness, that rock was Christ. I tell you, that rock is still Christ. If you come to him today, you can drink freely of the life-giving water. You can drink freely of the life-giving water that has flowed out of his side and the wound that happened to him on the cross and so those are but types and shadows. But even beyond it, we have the highlights of a most uh, beautiful scriptural record of prophecies. And I'm going to take you into these in kind of a transition. And I am going to close with this. I'm not saying I'm closing. I'm just saying this is where I'm, i brought you from where I started you to right here. To just show you that this should be the basis of your faith today. I'm going to highlight just a few things associated with the scriptural record today. That are associated with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Today, many of you know this passage of Scripture, Mark chapter number fourteen, and Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them. I mean, you're familiar with that account, right? You know that Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss the night of his Passover meal that he had shared with his disciples. You remember that? You say, Pastor, listen. How do I know this? Because Psalm forty-one and nine. Hundreds of years earlier, the psalmist David wrote, Mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. I believe today that Jesus Christ was sold, was sold by Judas for 30 pieces of silver, because I believe that Zechariah prophesied hundreds of years earlier if you think good give me my price if not forbear so they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver you remember when jesus was standing before the sanhedrin the bible says that there were false witnesses that were gathered against him y'all remember that let me just share it with you it said that some said this they bore false witness against him and some said something else The Bible says in Mark 14, verse 59, neither did their witnesses agree together. You say, it's false witnesses. Why is that so important to the testimony of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection? Because the psalmist hundreds of years earlier had written, false witnesses did rise up, and they laid to my charge things that I knew not. One of the most impacting parts of the story of the count of Jesus' trial was when he was before Pontius Pilate when he was before Pontius Pilate, he was dumb, the Bible says. Muted, would not say, would not respond, wouldn't say anything. Even to the point that Pilate said this. Why won't you? It frustrated Pilate. Y'all remember this? Pilate was frustrated. And he said, why won't you answer me anything? But the Bible says Jesus answered him nothing. Why? Why would he not say anything at all? Because Isaiah had written 700 years earlier. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, and he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. How many of you have ever just thought to contemplate in your own personal meditations the brutality of Jesus' suffering? I'm telling you, Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion, could not capture the severity. You say, Pastor, Why? Why? Well, they could capture the severity of the floggings and the beatings, and they could give us an image of what they think it would look like. But the one thing they couldn't capture was the grimace of the face of a man that had the weight of the sins of the world upon their shoulder. That cannot be captured by any uh, uh, action of cinema in our generation. But the Bible says that they spit in his face, and they buffeted him. They smote him with the palm of their hands. And they even plucked out the hair of his beard. Why? Because Isaiah said, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Isaiah said, He was wounded for our transgressions, He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon Him and by His stripes. Come on, somebody. By his stripes today, by the stripes laid upon his back on Pilate's whipping post, Pilate didn't know that when he determined to crucify him, before he crucified him, he determined to whip him at his own whipping post. He didn't know that when he was doing so, he was fulfilling an ancient record that had been breathed into the listening ear of a prophet in a dim-lit room of his own personal study 700 years earlier. To fulfill the prophetical word that he would be beaten and by his stripes we would be healed. The crucifixion itself, you remember it was between two thieves. Do you remember that? Jojo referenced it last week. One on one side, one on the other. The scripture was fulfilled. It says that he was numbered with the transgressors. Isaiah 53 said, I will divide him a portion with the great and he will divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors. You can go back even to when Thomas, Thomas said, Lord, I will not believe unless I touch, unless I touch because he was pierced, unless I touch the hand that had the spike in it, I will not believe. Zechariah said, they will look upon me whom they have pierced according to scripture why do you believe because of scripture listen did you know not one bone of his despite the brutality of his suffering was broken not one bone was broken and you know the brutality of the cross was so great but because i know many of you are familiar with it, because the sabbath was nearing because the sabbath is the day of crucifixion was coming to a close the sabbath was nearing that the Bible says that Pilate gave authorization for, the, uh, for, for the, the, the Romans to go and break the legs of the men that had been crucified so that their bodies could be removed before the Sabbath began at sundown. Right? Stay with me for just a few moments. Now listen. And so they came to the first thief, the thief that had, had, had railed on Jesus and ridiculed him. And, and so they broke his legs. And they went over to the one that had had, had, had some uh, sympathy and some repentance in his heart. And they had asked Jesus to remember him when he came to his kingdom. And they came to him and they broke his legs to hasten his death. But they came to Jesus. And they found that he had already pillowed his head and given up the ghost. Why? Because the scripture says he keepeth all of his bones. And not one of them is broken come on somebody you remember this passage of scripture where they, they, they gambled for his garment and they, they, they parted his clothes and then they said you know what this one, cl- this one piece of clothing is without seam so we don't want to rip it so, so we're going to gamble to see who gets it why, why did they do that why did somebody reach in their pocket and pull out their instruments to gamble right there at the base of a dying man on the cross how could they be so insens- insensitive to such a tragic moment Because the psalmist said, they parted my garments among them, and they cast lots for my vesture. you even remember this, some of the most famous words that have ever been uttered out of a man's mouth were the final words of Jesus on the cross. For there on the cross, he says these words, Eli, Eli, lama, sabachthani. The Bible says, he's interpreting that, my God, my God. Can you see that in the theater of your mind today as if you were standing there in the crowd having watched him been beaten and smitten and spit upon and his hair plucked out of his beard and he's dying and there on the cross he says, my God, he lifts his eyes toward heaven and he says, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why? Because the psalmist David under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit hundreds of years earlier had written these words, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Church family, I want you to know today I believe in the death. I believe in the burial. And I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because of the scriptures. I believe in every component of it. I believe that he committed himself to God and gave up the spirit unto God because the psalmist said, Into thy hands I commit my spirit. I believe he was buried with the rich because the Bible says he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. And I believe today that not only was that tomb sealed by the signet ring of Pontius Pilate, but I believe day one completed. Day two was the Sabbath. And on the third day, on the third day, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Why do I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Because the psalmist said that God would not leave his soul in hell and he wouldn't suffer his Holy One to see corruption. God wouldn't leave him on the fourth day or the fifth day because that's when his body would start to decompose. But God caused him to be resurrected on the third day so his body would have no corruption to fulfill the prophecy of David. And the Bible says in Psalm 49, God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave for he shall receive me and one further you may ask pastor why was it three days because Hosea wrote these words hundreds of years before the cross before the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Hosea said after two days he will revive us and on the third day he will raise us up again today I believe in the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ because men of God breathed upon by the Holy ghosts, Ghost, hundreds of years ago, separated by time and space, separated by even their own individual uh, 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 religious experiences, the same Holy Spirit moved on their heart to give us a picture of a man called Jesus. Come on, somebody, of a man called Jesus. And i, I tell you what, and I've got to close, but let me just say this. That third day is a powerful revelation that's the the third day pastor why the third day well maybe you ask jonah the prophet you say why pastor brown that's the story we tell our children that jonah was disobedient to god and you can't be disobedient to god or you'll get thrown in the mediterranean sea and a whale will swallow you up (laughs) right that's that's the story we tell our children But how many of you know that when that whale swallowed the prophet, that that prophet was in the belly of the whale for one day and for two days? and on the third day that whale vomited him out again and the prophet stepped out of the whale's belly because it was a type of the day that Jesus was swallowed up by the grave when he pillowed his head on the cross of Calvary and there was placed in Joseph of Arimathea's borrowed tomb. I could preach myself happy today and it was day one and day two and on the third day we sang about it. Rocks began to shake and the stone was rolled away and the belly of the earth come on opened up and Jesus was resurrected to the glory of God and Jesus is who he said he was because the scriptures come on Daryl join me on the platform we're going to close today the scriptures determined not to live your life in scriptural ignorance of the reality of Jesus death burial and resurrection so Paul in his contention for the faith said, This gospel that I delivered unto you was not just based upon the testimony of Peter and James and John or Mary and Martha or Salome, but it was based upon the prophetical revelations given to men for hundreds of years that heard the voice of God and they began to write them down. Some in prison cells, some were wealthy, some were poor, some were just farmers some were military men some were priests some were kings but they wrote down it was called the scriptures holy writ are you hearing me today the scriptures holy writ holy writ he said pastor if I just had Jesus appear to me then I would believe that's not what Jesus said listen to this the story of the rich man Lazarus How the rich man went to hell when when the story is concluding here's what here's what Jesus the point he makes he said this because the the rich man in hell is asking father Abraham to send somebody send somebody because he said I got five brothers he's having compassion in the in, in the flames of hell For his brothers are still alive, and it's a possibly is a parable, but it's it's teaching a principle. Listen, listen real quickly. I'm gonna let you out of here in just a moment, but so stay with me for a moment. And 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 so he said, "Father Abraham, sin, sin one." And Father Abraham said, "No," because the the man said this: If one went from the dead, they will repent father Abraham said if they won't hear Moses and they won't hear the prophets they won't be persuaded that one rose from the dead you have to believe in Jesus' resurrection not because he might appear to you in your bedroom but because you believe that there was a prophetical revelation made for hundreds of years I speak the words of Hebrews today time fails me to tell you about more and more I'd have to keep you here for weeks on end to show you the revelation that's been given to us of this man called Jesus that the prophets for hundreds of years wrote about his life and now you have it right here in your hand and when you hide that in your heart it becomes a confirmation of a basis of belief I'll tell you, can nothing take it away from you, can nothing no one can take it away from you Paul said these words he said you're saved if you keep in memory what I preach to you is that right? listen, listen, listen this is the closing will you keep in memory what I preach to you? that's what Paul said what did he preach to them? he preached that Christ died was buried was raised again according come on to the scriptures. And I'm telling you, once you get that in your heart, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when theologians tell you that it's not true. Or when other religions fight against your faith, you know because you've believed the word of God. And it's left such a change in your life. Here's the order. I have to preach it I've preached it. I've preached it today. I'm going to go and I'll spend time with my family this afternoon. You know what? I'm going to have a clear conscience because I preached it today. Jesus died, was buried, and is raised again according to the Scriptures. You have to receive it. That's up to you. I I can't do anything beyond it within what I've done. I've given it as I was instructed, but you have to receive it. Those of you that have already received it, you got to hold fast in it. Does that make sense? You got to keep yourself in memory of it. Can I make a confession? Friday. I've had a lot on my mind lately. And it's distracted my personal devotions. When your personal devotions are distracted as a pastor, you feel inadequate in ministry you do now you may not understand that but those pastors or those in the ministry they can relate but right here in this sanctuary right here with these same notes I journeyed with Jesus up a hillside called Golgotha I journeyed with Jesus into a tomb borrowed from Joseph of Arimathea I journeyed with Jesus to Galilee where he appeared to his disciples. And then I went all the way back to those Old Testament accounts to see if they matched. And when they did, how my heart leaped with the glory of God. It changed my whole countenance, gave me a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I felt like I was right there with him. It could have been my hand like Thomas's, that reached out and touched it. Church family, if you know the Scriptures, you can have such an experience with God that the devil can't shake you in the most difficult of your tribulations. Our heads are bowed and our eyes closed today. Threefold. I have to preach it. I've finished. I've done that.